0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Scott Walter. And I'm Michael Watson. In this episode, we take a look at influential political operative David Brock. This is the Influence Watch podcast. Who is David Brock? You may never have heard of him, but you probably know some of his handiwork. He worked with George Soros to launch a $40 million media campaign against John McCain in 2008. The numerous organizations Brock has founded include the super PAC American Bridge 21st Century, designed to elect Democrats in the 2012 election, and Correct the Record, a super PAC whose goal was to respond to all the negative media surrounding Hillary Clinton. He also owns a majority share of left-wing clickbait site ShareBlue. A former conservative turned liberal, gun for hire, Brock has been called the silver-haired smear artist in the Washington Post for his questionable campaigns against figures on both the right and the left. Time magazine described him as, quote, one of the most influential political operatives in the Democratic Party. Mike, give us a little bit about David Brock's background.
1: So Brock started out... uh he graduates from UC Berkeley in 1985. While he's at Berkeley, starts out on the center left. Then, in reaction to the excesses of the liberals of the time, becomes a conservative, forms a conservative, um, forms a conservative uh, student magazine, the Berkeley Journal, uh, goes to work for the American Spectator. A, a ra- conservative a, journal. A, a, right, a right-wing uh, news magazine. Um and uh, comes, to, comes to sort of prominence in for two, two things. And they're from the early 90s, so please help me, help me out if I get some of this wrong, it's a little bit before my time. Um, first, during the debates over the nomination of Clarence Thomas to the Supreme Court, uh, Thomas was, I think it's fair to say, implausibly accused of uh, sexual misconduct by one of his former... Uh, one of his former employees, Anita Hill, uh, Brock wrote a—I don't know—was it a, was it a magazine piece or was it a he book? He
0: first did a, a long magazine piece, and then it was turned into a book called "The Real Anita Hill." That was the accuser against Clarence Thomas
1: um, to to uh, call into question her her credibility. Um, and then later, there was the Arkansas project looking into uh, then President Bill Clinton's record. Uh, and some of his financial, some of the Clinton family's financial dealings in Arkansas while he was governor. Uh, among the things they uncovered was the first major Clinton sex scandal, uh, the Trooper Gate, which you can explain a little bit more. Sure.
0: The, that was that when he was uh, governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton uh, allegedly used state troopers uh, as procurers uh, for his prodigious sexual appetites.
1: Uh, and that, uh, among other things, brought out the uh, Paula Jones, the, the Paula Jones allegations against Bill Clinton. Uh, for this, uh, Brock received an award from conservative journalism outfit. Uh, it initiated the series of litigation uh, by Paula Jones that, among other things, led to the discovery of Bill Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky. A White House intern, a yes. a, 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 a White House intern, um, and the uh, who knew what when discussions about it ultimately led to the um, pre- to President Clinton's impeachment trial. Yes, that's that's true. So it's it's an irony that somebody
0: who has become one of the most critical uh, arrows in the quiver of the Clintons uh, have for defending themselves that he set in motion. Uh, something that almost brought down President Bill Clinton uh, during his term in the 90s. Uh, I want to say, since we're going to have a lot of criticism for David Brock in this broadcast, I want to be uh, careful to say that I have read The Real Anita Hill, the 1992 book he wrote, and uh, well, I'm sure, given that it was written by David Brock, there probably are some inaccuracies in it, he does a very fine job of real investigative reporting, uh, and I believe he pretty clearly... Um, demonstrates which Senate staffer leaked uh, a secret FBI um, document that had Anita Hill's um, uh, allegations in it um, to the media, and uh, which, by the way, is what caused Anita Hill to end up testifying. And uh, he also does a good job of uh, demonstrating that it was probably a different government employer that Anita Hill had that she told her friends had harassed her rather than Clarence Thomas and it got muddled and because the Democrats and the left in general were desperate to try to find dirt on Clarence Thomas to keep him off the court because he was replacing Thurgood Marshall who'd been a reliable left-wing vote on the court as the first, uh, uh black justice. Um, the left wanted to block Thomas. Now, uh, the, uh, I should add, by the way, since it's a wonderful case of influence, even if it, it does date back uh, to the to the 90s, what happened, uh, according to Brock, as uh, well documented account, was there was a Senate staffer on the Judiciary Committee that had was uh, holding the Clarence Thomas hearings, and the hearings for Thomas had gone reasonably well, and uh, they were supposedly concluded, and there was going to be a vote. Uh, of the committee on whether to recommend his nomination to the Senate, and then, of course, the full Senate vote after that. It was after all that had closed that, in desperation, um, uh, it was a Paul Simon's staffer leaks the confidential FBI material to Nina Totenberg at National Public Radio, who is then and still is their um, uh, Supreme Court reporter, and Totenberg called up Anita Hill and said... I'm going to go public with this unless you come out uh, and talk about it publicly yourself. So I guess the sisterhood does not always fit uh, or protect its own. So that led Anita Hill to go public, and they then held new hearings, additional hearings. Um, There was no one who testified at those additional hearings against Clarence Thomas except uh, Anita Hill herself and many women who had worked with Thomas for many years in you know, in House offices, which anybody who's ever been in a House Representative's office, you're everyone is literally on top of each other, and you had people saying, "I was heard every phone conversation he had for two and a half years, and I never heard, you know, a curse word, much less uh, anything outrageous." But well, let's um, let's g- go now to that was Brock as conservative. Uh, now
1: let's talk about how he flipped over to the left. So. Brock switches sides during or shortly after he is commissioned to re- to do a, an investigative research into uh, then first lady Hillary Clinton, which comes becomes the book. I believe it was it was a book, yes, yes. Uh, the that ends up as the Seduction of Hillary Clinton. That's the title. Um, the book is commissioned. I believe it was commissioned by the American Spectator.
0: I believe so. Originally, uh huh.
1: Um, and it ends up being fairly sympathetic. Uh, and this is kind of the the first uh, indication that he that Brock is is defecting uh, back to the back to the liberal side, and not even so much back to the liberal side, but over to the Clinton family. Uh, I'm going to draw that distinction throughout this conversation that uh, and it's something that he's been criticized by by left wing writers for. Brock is fanatically loyal to the Clintons as a political power vehicle, uh, even more so than he seems to be loyal to progressive liberalism as an ideology. Um, In fact, uh, the New York Times, when Seduction of Hillary Clinton comes out, uh, New York Times review uh, ends up scolding him for being too lenient. Uh, on Hillary Clinton for her involvement in the controversial Whitewater uh, land scandal uh, that actually, I believe it sent one governor of Arkansas to prison? At least. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, and then in 1997, uh, Brock does a piece for Esquire magazine, Confessions of a Right-Wing Hitman, where he basically renounces everything he had done to that point. Yes, that that was
0: his uh, mea culpa, Um, and as you say, uh, he ends up not so much changing his ideology as changing his political loyalties, uh, having been a scourge of the Clintons to being uh, a handyman uh, for the Clintons, and then uh, becomes progressively more involved in the machinery of, of the left, the broader left, but as well as the... Political left. Um, So, uh, as we mentioned in the beginning, by the time you're up to 2008, uh, he's helping uh, George Soros and company uh, spend $40 million campaigning against uh, the Republican candidate, John McCain. And then in 2004, though, if we backtrack a little, in 2004, um, he had started what's probably his single best known uh, entity, the 501c3, uh, Media Matters for America. So, uh, can you tell us a bit about the? Uh, he, he now has so many groups. What we need to do at this point is start going through what some have amusingly called the broctopus. Uh, Influence Watch regulars will know that that people who attack the the Koch brothers and their operations will call it the Kochtopus because there are numerous groups. Well, there's very much a broctopus of groups he runs. Right. Yeah.
1: It's the 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 many tentacles uh, and the. The first and probably foremost tentacle of the Brock organizations, of the Broctopus, is Media Matters for America. In 2004, Brock writes a book, uh, The Republican Noise Machine, uh, criticizing the mainstream media for being too beholden to the right wing, which we'll lay aside <laughs> that that's sort of facially absurd. Uh, and he creates. Uh, this organization, Media Matters for America, which is a 501c3 uh, tax deductible chari- ostensibly charitable organization, uh, modeled on the conservative groups, Accuracy in Media and Media Research Center, which had, f- which were founded, um, I believe Accuracy Media was in the 1960s and Media Research Center was in the 1980s. Uh, yeah. L. Brent Bozell runs the Media yeah. Research Center. He'd be well known to many—to to, to political junkies. will know him from Fox and elsewhere. Um, and they had uh, made their name and made a substantial name uh, condemning and criticizing the uh, left orientation, uh, the the left bias of The Washington Post, The New York Times, the three broadcast networks, later the early cable news— uh, uh, the early cable news ventures, CNN. Uh,
0: and who are some of the funders uh, for Media Matters?
1: Uh, let me one one more oh, point sorry, before, I get, sure. before I get before I get before I get there. So uh, so Media Matters, based on the model that was created by Accuracy Media and Media Research Center, does the same thing in reverse, uh, condemning the uh, now it turned now as it has evolved. It has largely focused on Fox News Channel and the other News Corporation properties because News Corporation is known to lean right, Um, run
0: by uh, the billionaire
1: Rupert Murdoch. Yes, run by run by run by Rupert Murdoch, Um, and so uh, so Media Matters, you know, condemns the uh, the sort of center right major media and so it's heavily funded by all the institutional players of the left, Uh, the Tides Foundation, moveon.org. It was originally endorsed by the Democracy Alliance, the large uh, convening of liberal funders, both organizational and individual. Uh, It's received money from the George Soros philanthropies that we discussed a couple weeks ago uh, in, what was it, episode nine of the Influence Watch podcast? I think so. And, oh. of course,
0: George Soros was one of the leading co-founders of the Democracy Alliance uh, donor group, which still exists.
1: Right. Uh, uh, also, uh, former uh, Google, uh, early Google employee David DeJardin who's a big liberal donor, has given to Media Matters. Uh, all your, most of your principal uh, liberal funders... Uh, Have have funded Media Matters because they see it as a useful vehicle uh, for controversializing the news corporation uh, media outlets.
0: Yep, and let's uh, on those list of donors. uh, Let's not forget the National Education Association, the uh, nation's largest teachers union, uh, which has given uh, seven figure grants uh, to Media Matters for America, and of course. Uh, currently, the uh, NEA union is also in the leadership of the Democracy Alliance uh, donor group.
1: Right. Uh, they have the yeah they, they do take take money from from labor unions most most prominently the NEA. Yep. Now, of course, as you as you rightly say, the uh, Fox News
0: was uh, was has long been one of the favorite targets of Media Matters, um, uh, often winning its Misinformer of the Year award, which it came up with, uh, but. Um, the uh, in the wake of Hillary Clinton's twenty sixteen election loss, uh, Brock has refocused Media Matters somewhat. Can you ex- explain about that?
1: We, along with all the the Brock organizations, uh, you know, do a do a little bit of a little bit of history. Uh, as I as we've been saying, you know, Brock is a Clinton operative more so than even a liberal operative. Uh, Correct the record. One of his super PACs was uh, from the Democratic from the beginning of the Democratic primary. Uh, you know, fanatic in its uh, rapid response to all the criticism of Hillary Clinton's long record of various nastiness. Uh, after Clinton loses, the Baroctopus needs a new reason to exist, and that becomes fanatical opposition to the incoming now extant trump administration uh and we'll get to and we'll get to in some of the other groups the american democracy and legal fund probably most prominently which is the uh the uh, 501c4 litigation arm which is pursuing this kind of cockamamie theory that because president trump owns Hotels that are occasionally used by people with associations to foreign governments that violates the Constitution. <laughs> I again, I don't understand how that works, but that's 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 are Donald Trump's biggest fan. I, yes, but. and I I I I yield to no one in my legitimate criticisms of the president. Uh, but this is a silly one. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, now there are also.
0: Um, and, and this is something since the, the, the whole point of uh, InfluenceWatch.org and our Influence Watch podcast is to connect dots between lots of different groups. And, of course, in David Brock's case, there's hardly, hardly anyone has more dots to, to connect, uh, possible exception, maybe uh, Tom Steyer or George Soros or something. But the, uh, the current president of Media Matters for America... Um, has a really big dot that needs to be connected to him. His name is Angelo uh, Carosone, and his connection is Democratic National Committee.
1: Yes, in uh, 2016. In this 20, is not a twi- distant during during the 2016 election. Uh, yes. No, the and and this is not not new for Media Matters officials to have been uh, Democratic operatives. Um, so so yeah, that's a. And speaking of, of, uh,
0: of big and important things in the, the political left there, uh, I'm not sure whether, the, which of these two entities would be more powerful in that, uh, in the left's politics, the DNC that you just mentioned, or the SEIU, and, uh, uh which is the Service Employees International yeah, right. Union.
1: Funny, funny, funny story about them and, them and Brock, S- uh, them and, and Media Matters. Um. So, in, you know, throughout its existence, uh, both Media Matters and its 501c4, that can do more explicitly political work, Media Matters Action Network, uh, have received, you know, contributions from labor unions, have advocated for things such as the, uh, during the first term of the Obama administration, there was the debate over the grievously misnamed uh, Employee Free Choice Act, which would have uh, taken away the secret ballot vote to determine whether a workplace should be unionized. Um, now, when SEIU came knocking in 2014, trying to unionize the Media Matters workers and the Media yeah, Matters so Matters David action, Brock's
0: own employees yes, to be unionized yes, this by is, this is, this a is, this massive
1: donor right, to him. Right. This is David Brock as employer uh, of Media Matters. SEIU comes in uh, and asks for a card check. And initially, Brock refuses. <laughs> he uh, calls calls for um, uh, with you know, and he he issues legally for you know formally. If you are not going to recognize a union based on a card check as an employer, you give no reply. Uh, so it says formally in the legal documents, no reply. Um, and then you know, it was only after considerable criticism. Uh, and a lot of laughing from conservatives who found this out, um, I think it, it may have been, I think it was like the, the Center for Union Facts, the Washington Free Beacon, and maybe the Daily Caller and the Washington Examiner uh, uh, all, all kind of pointed out this hypocrisy. And at that point, only at that point did Brock relent and yield to his employees being unionized by the SCIU. <laughs> Yes, well, uh, I don't, don't blame him for his concern. <laughs> I just wish he had a little of
0: the same concern
1: for it would the rest be, it would of the be, country. It would be nice if he was as concerned for the other, you know, whatever, 20 million employers in the United States. <laughs> yes. The,
0: um, now, speaking of, of Brock and not always easy relations with other groups on the left, of course, uh, since the election of uh, Donald Trump, the resistance, as they like to style themselves, uh, has become an important feature on the left— But Brock has not always had uh, great relations with that. Can you give us a little of the background there?
1: So the, uh, you know, again, Brock's, and this is where you get into Brock's alignment with Clinton's, uh, and with the sort of Democratic Party established, old Clinton-era establishment to begin with. Uh, Obviously, as with all opposition parties throughout American political history, you know, the Democratic Party is currently in an identity crisis, trying to figure out what it stands for. And you have the sort of Bernie Sanders far left, and before Correct the Record and all the Brock groups were turned on, Trump, who were the Brock groups turned on? Bernie Sanders as Hillary Clinton's principal primary opponent. So when Brock tries to steer the broader opposition to the presidential administration, and here we'll throw out any, you know, people like me who are center right opponents who wouldn't go near anywhere near anything Brock touched, because come on, it's David Brock. Uh, the sort of extreme left, the Bernie Sand, you know, the Bernie Sanders types, the super, uh, the the fanatical identity politics types. Uh, they blame the Clintons and they blame. Because again, in Hillary Clinton's corruption, is probably the principal reason that Donald Trump is president today. Clinton's bagmen, people like Brock, Sidney Blumenthal, um, to a lesser extent, John Podesta. So the idea that Brock would sort of lead the resistance, lead the opposition, is not going to be uncontested by these. by these sort of uh, far-left elements. Yes, if you, were a, if you were a general on the
0: losing side of the last battle, it's not clear uh, that we should now all flock to you. Um, well, uh, before we leave the Media Matters uh, part of the broctopus, uh, you mentioned the hypocrisy with labor unions. Um, I want to throw in my own favorite uh, hypocrisy incident with Media Matters, and that came back in 2013 uh, when... It was discovered that Brock had a bodyguard, Hayden Price Morris was his name, who was carrying concealed firearms in Washington, D.C., which uh, then made such an action a felony, and uh, he uh, got defended, and apparently Media Matters for America paid for it, and the reason— I can be confident in saying that is because the left of center magazine, The Atlantic, when they went looking into this, assuming it wasn't really true, ended up, uh, nope, got, sorry, we have to confirm that. Uh, That is indeed um, uh, something that was done. Well, uh, let's move to another uh, prong of the broctopus, and that would be the uh, elections and priorities USA. Um, That is a Web of groups that raised about 75 million in the 2016 uh, cycle. What are its ties to Brock?
1: So, Priorities USA is one of the big is is the big Democratic presidential super PAC, which makes these uncoordinated, unlimited, independent expenditures on behalf of the Democrats in the 2016 cycle. Even during the primary, surprise, surprise, it was supporting Hillary Clinton. Uh, Brock had been on the board, uh, however, after, because of the, the sort of relational infighting between Brock's personal super PACs, like, correct the record, American Bridge 21st Century, and, uh, Priorities USA as the sort of main Democratic super PAC, uh, he, he resigned in a hissy fit. Yep. Oh, and I'm sorry, one, one more thing, uh,
0: on the media matters, a footnote we should add is... Uh, InfluenceWatch.org and InfluenceWatch podcast are uh, products of the Capital Research Center, a think tank in, in DC. And uh, Media Matters for America has often attacked uh, employees of CRC uh, for things that they have said out there when they have been critical of Hillary Clinton or others. So, wouldn't, wouldn't want to uh, fail to mention that. So, okay, so now we come to another big prong of the Broctopus, um, relatively recent. Uh, for when it actually joined the Brock it, 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 This is not a group that Brock himself had originally founded and that is uh, the group best known as CREW which stands ostensibly
1: for... Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington and I'm heavy on the ostensibly Yes, tell the, us about that So in 2000, shortly after the election of George W. Bush uh, tell me if this sounds familiar a bunch of Democratic operatives uh, led by among other people Norman Eisen, who may be familiar to those who have followed current current debates about some of the uh, ethical issues with the Trump administration, form Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, known as CROW. And this organization is explicitly modeled on the conservative litigation and opposition research groups, National Legal and Policy Center, Judicial Watch especially, that had made life difficult for the Clinton administration by digging up all the corrupt things that Bill Clinton did. Uh, so the Democrats say, okay, that worked for them. We'll We'll copy it and use our control, you know, use our uh, support from the non-Murdoch mainstream media to position this organization as a sort of centrist, good government watchdog. Uh, even though they're getting funded by the Open Society Foundations of George Soros, Barbara Streisand, uh, singer-songwriter and big-time liberal activists' foundation, the Tides Foundation, other entities and persons associated with the Democracy Alliance, labor unions. Uh, And... Now, Brock, it... it, it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then when, you know, sort sort of when... the, the organization goes through an identity crisis when Barack Obama is elected president because it's very fun to be the, the oversight watchdog when the other guy's in power. Uh, when your guy's in power, nobody wants to, you know, you, you, nobody cares. Uh, so after a lot of sleaze, among other things that happen, they appear there is a strong, credible, circumstantial case uh, that, they were taking money from the founder of the University of Phoenix's foundation, and using it to advocate on behalf of for-profit colleges. Yeah,
0: University of Phoenix being the, the country's largest being, yeah, being, for-profit higher ed. It's institution. either the largest
1: or the second largest. The only question is whether it's whether the Washington Post Company's Kaplan was bigger at the time. Yes. <laughs> um, the. Uh, so in two thousand fourteen, Brock comes on board uh, as chairman. Right. And then at that point, mask drops. Crew is obviously partisan, obviously a lot, you know partisan in the informal sense, not the legal. Oh no, they broke their 501c3 regulation sense. Let me be, let me be clear about that. Uh, all <laughs> that all, we know of that that we know of all 501c3 organizations are nonpartisan are ostensibly nonpartisan for tax reasons. All the ones in Washington generally align with one side or the other. Um, So 2014, Brock chairs the board of Crew, mask drops, everybody knows what Crew's about now. Uh, Even though Brock has since left the board, it's still widely believed to be in his orbit, and Crew has sort of led the, not just the uh, maybe more credible criticisms of some of the... Uh, uh, potential corruption uh, in the Trump administration, but also some of the crazy stuff, like I was saying, about the emoluments clause, uh, you know, because he owns hotels that are sometimes used by foreign people. Yes. Uh, also, they filed
0: complaints against Kellyanne Conway, uh, one of the top White House staffers currently. And back in the 2000s, as you say, in their heyday attacking George W. Bush and, and the Republicans, they... Um, the House Majority, Tom Delay, was one of their major targets. Right, uh, but that didn't pan out for them either.
1: Uh, I mean, well, it, it's that it sort of did, and then later he got exonerated by the courts because the courts actually have to respect your due process. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The um, uh,
0: one of the one of the signs that uh, Crew was g- uh, going to be more blatantly partisan uh, was uh, after Brock shows up. He gets rid of their most corrupt and worst governors <laughs> lists, which occasionally had actually occasionally, had a
1: Democrat. You know, occasionally Andrew Cuomo showed up on there because New York, which we t- talked about, I think we talked about them last week. Uh, you know, New York is a corrupt basket case. Yes. Um. But you can't, you know, if you're David Brock, you can't have, <laughs> you can't have them uh, uh, suggesting that the Democratic Party of New York may have corruption when you're. Desperate working for all those lovely electoral votes for your oh, candidate. Well, not just that, but also you're uh, advocating on behalf of the most prominent formerly elected New York Democrat, you know, New York Democrat. That too.
0: Well, uh, I think it's time for us to shift to a, yet another prong of the broctopus, or I guess i sorry, I should say tentacle. Keep my <laughs> metaphor straight. Uh, and that's American Bridge 21st Century. What are they?
1: American Birds 21st Century are an opposition research super PAC uh, run out of the, you know, run out of the broctopus, which is known for its use of of the tracker, which is a political op, which is a political tactic used, again, by both sides, but, you know, was made most prominent after the 2006 elections when... uh, uh, then uh, U.S. Senator from Virginia George Allen imprudently made uh, ethnically charged remarks, insulting a one of his a, a Democratic operative who had been tracking him and was recording his his statements on video. Uh, yes, thus uh, causing him great problems because
0: uh, I I would as a Virginian I would say that he wasn't working too hard on getting himself reelected for senator because he was too busy thinking of which shade of drapes he was going to have in the Oval Office, uh, and he greatly underestimated James Webb, a former Republican who was his opponent. Uh, and th- but uh, having said all that, still before the incident with the tracker uh, happened, he
1: was in double, had a double-digit lead, so maybe he was right. Maybe he would have made it without that. Certainly didn't certainly didn't help himself by by insulting the guy, um, but anyway, in the hopes of catching another George Allen, uh, American Bridge sends these trackers to track every ostensibly silly thing that every Republican, from dog catcher to candidate for president of the United States, says. Um, some of the things that they have tried to bring up, I remember there were a couple in twenty fourteen. That even the sort of Buzzfeeds of the world were like, no, this is ridiculous. Uh, you are taking this out, of, you know. You are taking this out of context, and your spin is insane. Yes. Um,
0: now, uh, American Bridge Twenty First Century also itself, you said it's a C four, but it also has an associated super PAC. Uh, or I'm sorry, it, not super PAC, Yeah, pack.
1: yeah. Um, it does have it does have an associated pack that has spent over 11 million dollars on each of the last three election cycles, uh, 11 million in 2012, 17 in 2014, and almost 20 in 2016. So
0: financially speaking they, uh, uh, this part of the broctopus seems to be doing well. It, it is
1: it is substantial, not enormous but substantial.
0: And, and the tr- then the trend lines are the way they want them. Well, uh, let's move to another C4. Uh, that's a tentacle of the broctopus, and that would be the American Democracy Legal Fund.
1: So American Democracy and Legal Fund I mentioned earlier in, the, in discussing the sort of whole transition of the broctopus from a Hillary Clinton-supporting organization to a Donald Trump-opposing organization. Uh, American Democracy Legal Fund is a 501c4, does litigation. Uh, it was originally uh, the 501c4 arm of Crew uh founded when brock was chairman of krill and uh and so it had you know it files campaign finance complaints uh other litigation against republican office holders uh, and of course it is funded by people like rob mckay who is one of the co-founders of the democracy alliance uh liberal donor businessman robert dyson uh, television producer Marcia Carsey, Um and one of its original one of its uh, uh, original supporters was former Maryland Lieutenant Governor uh, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend. Uh, yes, one of those Kennedys, uh, possibly best known at least in these parts for having lost the two thousand two gubernatorial Maryland gubernatorial election to Bob Ehrlich. Yes. Uh, and then one of the top
0: scalps that the American Democracy Legal Fund can claim uh, is uh, Todd Aiken, uh, if you want to remind us of that 2012 uh, incident.
1: Yeah, uh, probably one of the greatest political fiasco self inflicted political fiascos of all time. Uh, Todd Aiken was a U.S. Representative from Missouri running for U.S. Senate, uh, made profoundly bizarre comments uh, that if about... He, he was asked about uh, abortion in the case of rape, um, and Aiken uh, said something along the lines of, if it's a legitimate rape, the body has a way of shutting it down, um, which is, in addition to being obviously false... Just an in, just a ludicrously insane thing to say. It's it's <laughs> one of the uh, uh, we are not here.
0: Obviously, it's not our job to give political advice to anybody. But uh, uh, one does marvel that if if you're a Republican uh, of any views on abor- whatever your views on abortion, if you're a Republican, the Left wing biased media is guaranteed to ask you very hard questions about abortion, and you had better be able to say something intelligent about it. Now it's a sad thing that the Democrats don't regularly get asked about the gruesomeness of partial birth abortion. Sure if but, the media but it's, were fair but, it's it would, that, but, but yeah, but it's that kind of
1: it, it you know, you the you know, the uh you know, let's say that, you know, in the AFC champion in the NFC championship game, the Vikings had won. The Patriots wouldn't be able to complain that you know oh they're playing the game in Minnesota It's where the game is you play where the, you play the game where it is yes you yes
0: politics <laughs> is not a forgiving game it ain't sand. Uh, it ain't beanbag and you know you're going to have that pitch so you better have practiced figuring yeah, you, you, out how and and and, to and hit if the
1: and if the extent of your of your thought on the issue is to ignore a hard question related to your uh, related to your position by being callously dismissive uh, you should probably be in a different business yes well as i said and you should fire the person who helped you do your media
0: training and didn't walk you through uh a better response to that well
1: we have one more prom- as, yeah and an and, and interesting segue about media training or media in general uh for a guy who made his career as a liberal democratic operative uh criticizing ostensible conservative bias in the media. Guess what, Brock's doing now? <laughs> yes, he's promoting biased liberal media uh, with Share Blue, formerly yes, the Blue. Yes, that's the last form, for Formerly, us, formerly tentacle. the yes, uh, formerly the Blue Nation Review. Uh, Brock intended It was founded um, in 2014. It's a for-profit, so very little is known about its financials and who's funding it. Uh, Brock has expressed a desire that it become a sort of Breitbart of the left. Why you know kind of gives you an idea of where Brock's views on how to conduct politics are. That's not a compliment. Yeah, that that <laughs> is
0: that is a quotation from him uh, in uh, the Hill.
1: So we're we're not putting words in his mouth. That was him. Uh, and in 2016, uh, even during the Democratic primaries, it was used as a as a Clinton vehicle. Uh, it was including going after going after Bernie Sanders. And, again, as we discussed earlier about the, uh, the uh, left-wing opponents of the Trump administration who are very adamant that Brock not be the leader of the resistance, uh, you know, ironically, one of the pitches that Brock was making was that Bernie would not have won, when, in fact, you know, it's scary because Bernie is a genuine left-winger, you know, genuine, a, a genuine European social democrat. Uh, but he might have won <laughs> so. Thea Well,
0: I think that we should give the last word speaking of biased media. Let's give the last word to uh, David vonreily who is a liberal Washington Post writer um, but he famously said of David Brock and I've got this is a close paraphrase um, it would be unfair to say that David Brock represents everything that's wrong with politics in America but he represents, Almost everything that's wrong with politics in America—a
1: hired gun of no obvious ideology, who has swung from the left to the right, back to the left, uh, almost as a personality cult of the Clinton of the Clinton family. Look, it's hard. You know, again, it's hard to say that you know he's the worst. You know the worst human being in Washington, especially now. But the way of politics that Brock has so enthusiastically participated in, uh, you know, it, of of all, you know, there are probably some on, you know, some honest liberals, some honest progressives, some honest social democrats who can genuinely complain when. Trump or Trump supporters or the media organs that have set, set themselves up in support of the Trump administration, you know, do, an un, do some unethical things. But if David Brock complains, it's like the old, you know, it's like the old anti-drug PSA. You know, how, where did you get this? You know, the father finds the kids, the kids stash of drugs. Where did you find this? How did you learn about this? You. I learned it from watching you, David Brock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and you,
0: you remind me, actually, of—it was not David Von Reilly, but it was another uh, prominent liberal uh, reporter here in D.C. Uh, who's a friend of mine, and because of uh, his coverage of politics in D.C., he spent lots of time uh, with David Brock. And uh, he's somebody whose judgment I trust. Uh, and he said, you know, I, I really don't believe that he cares at all uh, in the end, who wins or what policy prevails? That for him, it's just pieces on a uh, chessboard uh, and his ability to raise money and and uh, be a player in the game. Well, uh, that's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, know that we broadcast a live video version of this podcast at 10 a.m. on Thursdays on Facebook Live and YouTube. And you can find our pages by searching for Capital Research Center. Uh, And if you're watching the video version, we encourage you to subscribe to the audio on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next week.